Hello again and welcome to another podcast from The Manufacturer. I'm Nick Peters. Politics is such a cruel sport. Your fate, of course, is always in the hands of the voter, but it's also at the mercy of decisions made by your leaders over which you have no control. This happened to my guest this week, Chris White. He's now Director of Industrial Strategy at King's College London, but he was a Conservative MP until Theresa May's catastrophic decision, from the Conservatives' point of view at least, to hold a snap general election in 2017. I uh, had the huge privilege of being the Member of Parliament for, for Warwick and Leamington, but uh, um, in 2017, the snap election, uh, literally I was, I suppose I was snapped. You snapped. <laughs> so that was seven years at the political coalface. That experience, looking back at it now and looking at what's been going on during the Brexit turmoil of recent months, is it even recognisable as the same place that you once worked? Uh, no, the the building definitely looks uh, familiar, uh, but other than that, it's uh, it's uh, it looks and sounds sounds a strange uh, place. Although it can still sort of inspire great passion, as I as my uh, next door neighbour will occasionally hear at ten past eight in the morning when I shout at the radio. Um, that uh, that I still I still I suppose there is part of uh, there is a part of me that is still uh, still very engaged with how this country is run. I think maybe it's because it's what appears to be a breakdown of the natural order which you experienced up until 2017, which is basically party discipline, is it not? I mean, obviously there there have always been rebels. Mr. Corbyn, ironically, is one of them. Uh, on the Labour side, but there've always been, you know, there's always been party discipline. Things run along pretty straight rails. That seems to have broken. It's, it seems very much. I mean, I sort of read, read the Andrew Roberts Churchill book, and it was, I think, they were talking about the 1930s and how they were talking about politicians were a dreadful then, and they they were much better in previous uh, generations. I suppose we're getting a, we're getting a bit of that now, but I think um, sort of Pandora's box has been well and truly opened in terms of the discipline issue in terms of uh, party leadership in terms of whipping operations and other you know parties being created uh, and it will be difficult uh, to go back to what has existed and worked for for so many decades and 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 uh, you know hundreds of years but whether we exactly want to go back to that time I don't know uh, that's very much up for grabs but obviously it's because brexit is a subject that crosses party lines uh, and crosses constituencies and divides families, divides people who've always voted the same way um, and now find themselves either in the wilderness or joining new parties. Quite extraordinary. And a difficult time for a government to focus on what we in manufacturing would like them to focus on, which is laser-like an industrial strategy. Oh, very, very much so, and, and everything, uh, everything is pushed is pushed to one side because of Brexit. And I think, you know, as you correctly mentioned, one of the most important domestic policies that you know created uh, since uh, Theresa May was Prime Minister, from Biz to Bays, the uh, Department for Energy and Industrial Strategy, Business Energy and Industrial Strategy, which is you know not typically conservative. It is you know, in, in if you take out the words industrial strategy and talk about interventionist uh, strategy which will how uh, manufacturing the creative industries infrastructure uh, skills how they're coordinated in the widest sense by a government is is a very important initiative 
Uh, I was very pleased in 2016, in fact, before uh, Theresa May became Prime Minister, to call on the government to create an industrial strategy. Though the days we were talking about sugar tax, there was no appetite or enthusiasm for something like an industrial strategy. She became Prime Minister. It was very much a change of, of mood. And, you know, in those early days when we weren't so, you know, Brexit seemed a long way off, even though we'd had the referendum. Brexit seemed a long way off. And that was the opportunity to build an industrial strategy and, you know, to extend that, an economy that worked for everyone. I think that all credit, actually, to the people from Greg Clark downwards at Bayes and to the people in industry who worked with them to create what developed into the Made Smarter Review and is now being made manifest with Northwest Pilot, the Made Smarter Commission, etc., etc. Even a few months' delay on that could have put the kibosh on everything, couldn't it? Because Brexit soon became so all-consuming that people haven't really had time to focus on where do we go next with the strategy. Yes, and, and I agree on that, but, and, and I think there's great danger in, in that uh, philosophy, as you, as you explain. It would be wise to look at the industrial strategy in parallel to Brexit. In my, in my view, there will be some form of Brexit. We will need to respond to that domestically, uh, for good or, or, or ill, but to seize whatever opportunities there are and maximise those opportunities we will need to respond with a domestic policy as overarching as an industrial strategy. So what I'm hearing you say is that it's actually imperative that the break be taken off because with Brexit coming along, an industrial stra strategy, either an adaptation of what we've already got or a new layer, is going to be required to help manufacturers and other people in business get through this turbulent period. Well, you talked about uh, a laser-like focus, and I think there really does need to be a laser-like focus, and I think we need to make sure that everything is, is in order to be able to, to seize those opportunities. But also, I think we need to make sure that the issues like confidence and trust are brought back into the sort of the national agenda, the, the contract between the politicians and the manufacturers, the retailers, the, the people actually, you know, the, the people who are doing the work, that they need to understand that there is leadership going forward, that there is something, a strategy going forward, as in people to know what they're doing. Because they're voters too, heaven's sake. Uh, yes, absolutely so. Uh, but I think that, you know, whether it's the, the manufacturer in the, in the northwest or it's it's the, uh, it's the whole sort of business about communications and infrastructure, how we develop the place, how do we develop our local industrial strategies. This is going to be very important how we go forward. We cannot, we cannot stutter. We have to, as soon as that Brexit happens, we need to be able to move forward. We have to be able to sort of not necessarily dust things off, but there will be various plans that we can immediately access to get into you know, creating this you know the, the, this industrial uh, whether that's the creative industries whether it's soft power whether it's our universities whether it's our catapult centers all these things need to come into play and there are huge opportunities there there's so much we can talk about we may come on to it within our time span but i want to come back to your post political career uh, directly political career you're now director of the institute for industrial strategy at king's college london am i right in saying that's a, a new outfit it's a new outfit. Uh, it's, it's basically, it's unique. It's, it's a university outfit that is looking at 
the whole of the, the industrial strategy, whether we can influence, whether we can shape, whether we can, uh, by building collaborations with other universities, by working with Bayes, by working with uh, DCLG, uh, working with Number 10, the Cabinet Office, um, working with the Royal Society, working with your you know, outfits like yourselves, who all have the similar passion to make sure that um, the concept of industrial strategy is you know, somebody is constantly pushing the bellows to keep the oxygen going, to make sure it stays alive and thrives and gets hotter, we, you know, the going back to Harold Wilson and the white heat of technology. Uh, perhaps it is, you know, it is a, it is a step, it is part of that journey that uh, recognises the, 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 the huge creativity, our innovative talent, and makes the most of most of what we we have, our universities. We talk about, you know, as we spoke before, the, the, the discussion about the value of debt. How do we commercialise the brilliant ideas that, that this country can generate? We have a, a reputation for the valley of death, which is innovating brilliantly, commercialising very poorly. Headlines, we can talk about the jet engine, we can talk about the telephone, we can talk about the television, all invented here, all capitalised on somewhere else. And it happens all the way down the chain. And we've got to get that right. We need to, we need to learn uh, how to make that commercialisation happen. We seem to casually invent these things and then we seem to even more casually uh, let them go i i am a great uh, believer in a, or almighty fan of the catapult uh, centers uh, the uh, manufacturing technology center up in anstey the opportunity that has to show the best the absolute best of british bath best of the west midlands the best best of industry how we do things, how we help small businesses. In fact, the whole of the high-value manufacturing catapult, which is really our sector, I mean, the AMRC in Sheffield is just wonderful. And all the various components that go into the HVNC, they, they, it's a remarkable move forward from what we've been used to in this country, where if the Conservatives were in power, it was sort of free markets will take care of everything, let the devil take the hindmost, the private sector will take care of that. If Labour were in power in the old days, it would be, well, we must pick a winner, stick with it and back it until probably it runs into the ground. So in terms of the where industrial strategy has been in the past few decades, it, it's, had, it's, it, it's managed to get a, a good name for itself today, but it had a very bad name before that. It wasn't a popular thing to introduce. It did, but, but I mean, one of the things you've just mentioned is, is the issue of con consensus and how on uh, issues like the industrial strategy there is a meeting of minds. I, don't, I mean, you've described quite a, a polar uh, situation, but I don't think in terms of the industrial strategy, I think there's much, uh, we have much more in common, the parties have much more in common because they realise that there, there are not many other games in town. I think they probably do today. I'm not certain they did in the past. Uh, and I, and I, I utterly agree with your, your point. There, there are some times that the, you know, the, the circumstances have to be right to take these things out of the box again. And you know, are we ready to have, a, as I said, an interventionist policy? I mean, it's not a national plan. It's not prescribing you know, how much you know, electricity a, a school should use or whatever. It is talking about these are themes. I mean, at the end of the day, a strategy should be about you know, the big picture, the grand challenges, uh, the future of mobility. You know, even if you took the future of mobility, one of the grand challenges, and dissected that to think that in the future, 
we could be living in an environment of autonomous vehicles with the be with the benefits that, that those would create in terms of you know removing or congestion, increased independence, incre uh, the, the 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 better use of of our resources in terms of in terms of steel. Right, or if we don't have one and a half ton steel things bombing around the, the country, instead we're making out of things like plastic or paper or whatever uh, materials that we don't need to own. We can just use these things when we. This will be absolutely radical. But it, it, it is long-term thinking, it's joined-up thinking, and, as you say, consensus thinking, because the one thing that the parties mu must bear blame for over a wide range of policies, not just industrial strategy, is the fact that when there's a change in government, a lot gets dumped by the incoming party purely to spite the one that's just left power. Yes, I, I do. I do accept that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm waiting if if the if Labour gets in for there to be a strategy for industry, or you know, it's a, it's a sort of meaningless change where things can can actually be. But, but the, I, mean, I can understand why would you change a government if a new government didn't have fresh ideas and a fresh approach? How do you make something that's so important about how our country? Um, you know, produces things, how we have you know, productivity, how we achieve growth, uh, should perhaps be, be uh, maintained away from the politics. Well, yes, and, and in such a way, as you say, consensus-wise, uh, that we can have confidence going forward. And I think the confidence, certainty, business runs on confidence and certainty. Without it, things fall apart. Yes, and uh, I think it's, uh, it is incumbent on a government to provide that level of confidence and I think you know, one of the problems with the, the industrial strategy which I, I fully subscribe to but how do you create a narrative where the people who are making things, the employers, the employees, the truck drivers, the teachers, the research scientists know there's this thing out there that they can feel part of. And that really does boil down to what you were saying about building the wider infrastructure, not just dealing with industrial strategy in terms of manufacturing or in terms of the supply chain. It's about dealing with society as a whole, which is perhaps why parties don't like to take on board everything their predecessors did. But I'm thinking particularly about roads and trams and railways at the moment. Uh, there was a fascinating study done the other day which said that Birmingham, although it's the second city in the UK, is actually, in terms of its efficiency and its productivity and of people being able to move around and do their jobs and be productive, is somewhere around about 10th, if you compare it with other countries, who've got much more integrated uh, maybe tram links or metro links or whatever. And I think that that, is, that betrays perhaps how little... British governments have understood about the fact that manufacturing and business has to take place within an ecosystem where all the other bits come together and allow it to happen efficiently and smoothly. Other countries seem to get it. We need to learn this. I think you raise a very interesting point, and an issue you've talked about in this discussion is about picking winners. We need to shift away from picking winners to creating winners how do we create an environment an environment in Birmingham as you've just talked about how you talk about you know rather than talking about what well, we do this do that increase positive we need to look at the skills we need to look at infrastructure we need to look at investment how these things are 
worked worked out to, to the best uh, to the in the best possible way will help those businesses will increase their levels of productivity because they will know that they will things like they can be confident of the skills coming through that they can be working with they can be confident that they can get their product to market because everything is all thought about and all designed and all happily joined up which is not the case at the moment. But that is, again, it is about long-term thinking that the industrial strategy should, should give. I, just to circle back to the beginning of the conversation, assuming that Brexit is, the, is the, the, the catalyst for either positive change or negative disaster, which a lot of people paint both those scenarios, and assuming we, we do get through it, and assuming that... The, the makeup of politics in this country is irrevocably changed. Do you think we're more likely to see a more consensus-driven future, or perhaps are we going to be in a more polarised future? I'm now asking you perhaps to call on your seven years in Parliament for your pearls of wisdom on that one. I know, I know what I would hope for. Um, I would hope for there to be a consensus. I think we have... Uh, we will have the scenario you describe. We will have come through a, a great shock, as you've also described, whether it's for for good or bad. But how do we respond to that shock, that big change? After the Second World War, we very much engaged with the Mar the Marshall Plan. How was that implemented? How did we all we realising that there need we need to come together as a nation and work together in a sort of you know optimistic, positive, you know, sleeves rolled up. This is the way we do things. And remembering what we're good at in terms of innovation, in terms of uh, creativity. Uh, we just need a vehicle to make that happen. Well, I hope it's not an ambulance. I'm sorry about the ambulance going by outside. Uh, but uh, Chris White, thank you very much indeed. That's Chris White, who's Director of the Institute for Industrial Strategy at King's College London. And we'll be talking to Chris further on down the series. Chris, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much. Apologies for the noises off. Some things you just cannot control. My thanks again to Chris White, and of course, thank you to you for listening. We'll have another podcast for you soon from the manufacturer. Until then, I'm Nick Peters. Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.